Hello, and welcome to the Green Leads Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Rizzo. Today, we have a really awesome guest. She's super knowledgeable about sports nutrition. She's worked in the field with pro teams, with college athletes, and we talked a lot about what it's like to work with college athletes and a lot of tips for college athletes. Let me introduce you to Mary Ellen Kelly. She's the manager of the Collegiate and Professional Sports Dietetics Association. Uh, sports nutrition immersion program that is a mouthful and the owner of fuel forward which is a nutrition consulting business she works as adjunct faculty in the nutrition department for bloomsburg university and boston university which we actually talked about the fact that we both went to bu Uh, she has worked in the past for the miami dolphins as the full-time sports rd and she also worked with the university of north carolina chapel hill as their staff sports rd I ask every guest to send over a bio before their interview, and Mary Ellen put something in her bio that I really love. She says, as a sports dietitian, I am a nutrition scientist, a translator of science into user-friendly terms, a listener, a critical thinker, a problem solver, a counselor, an educator, and of course, a foodie. It's true, dietitians do so much and we think in so many different ways. And she's been a mentor to a lot of young dietitians. I think this interview is gonna be really helpful for anyone who wants to work in a sports nutrition setting or is just interested in learning more about how dietitians work with collegiate athletes. We talked a lot about college. So in this interview, we talked about her time with the Miami Dolphins, and then we also talked about the difference between sprinting and endurance sports and how athletes can eat when they're in college and they're not necessarily preparing their own meals. We talked about plant-based trends among competitive athletes and so many awesome other things. Before we dive into that chat, I do want to remind you, as I do every time, to make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. We're putting out two a week. And then also, let me know if you have any feedback. DM me on Instagram at Greenleets or send me an email at uh, podcast at greenleets.com with feedback, topics you'd like me to cover, future guests, anything like that. And then, of course, if you leave a rating, I would love it so much. It helps me boost this podcast and get it out to more people. So I appreciate that. But uh, let's just jump into that chat right now. Hi, Mary Ellen. Thanks for joining the podcast today. Hi, Natalie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm pumped to chat about your experience and get some insider tips from you. I know you've worked with all different types of competitive athletes from college athletes to professionals. Can you tell me a little bit about your career journey and how you ended up working with athletes? Sure. Um, Let's see. I guess um, maybe I'll start in, you know, like high school, college. Um, I feel really fortunate that um, going into college, I actually had this idea that I wanted to study nutrition and work with athletes. And I realized that some practitioners sort of figure that out um, later on. And um, I, it's just sort of what I wanted to do back then. So I went to Boston University and um, I was a triple jumper on the varsity track team there. And I studied nutrition um, en route to becoming a dietitian. And at the time, um, I remember like telling my parents, like, I just really want to work in sports nutrition. And 
this just like wasn't really um, the profession that it is now, as you know. And so um, I was getting a little pushback. I remember my parents were like, this isn't really a job, Marilyn. Um, and um, and they were kind of right. I mean, if you look at the evolution of college and pro sports nutrition, we're talking like back in 2000, there were just so few people actually really, you know, full-time in the trenches doing that work. Um, there were some definitely amazing pioneers, but um, it definitely is nowhere where it is now where it's, it's, it's a viable profession and a career path for a lot of young dietitians. Um, so I studied nutrition at Boston University and I was on the track team there. And then um, I, en route to becoming a registered dietitian, I trained at the Bronx VA Medical Center um, in, in New York and I got my master's at NYU. Um, and I spent the next couple of years in New York, um, always sort of like seeking out different mentors. I had a mentor at Boston University that um, was doing some sports nutrition and eating disorder work. So starting with her and then different mentors um, in New York to kind of get me going in sports nutrition. Um, but my first job was clinical. So I was the outpatient dietitian at the VA hospital. Um, and because I knew I always wanted to do sports nutrition, I actually started this little side business, um, private practice in New York city when I was really young. Um, in hindsight, I look back and I'm like, Oh goodness, um, to start it. Um, but because there weren't a lot of um, dietitians working with athletes in New York City at the time, I, the the referrals that I had were coming in from people in the sports space. I was I was doing marathons and doing a lot of endurance sport myself at the time, so I was actually just building up my experience um, with endurance sport athletes and then athletes um, from different universities in New York that didn't have practitioners working with them. Um, so it was a sort of my side sports nutrition experience, and then in about twenty, I don't know, two thousand eight, I think it was. St. John's University in Queens created a brand new position um, to work on their campus as their dining services dietitian, um, dietitian for the whole campus um, and student health services, and then for their 17 teams for sports nutrition. Um, and I always tell that because I know that young dietitians that are trying to break in would see a job like that and probably be like, no, no, it's not, you know, full-time athletics. But at the time, it was my way of really breaking into sports nutrition. So I jumped in both hands, both feet and wore a lot of hats and, and really loved that job. Um, and then a couple of years later, I ended up leaving to go to the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill, um, where I was the staff dietitian for my first year. And then when the director left, I was promoted up to be the head dietitian for um, University of North Carolina for the um, whole athletic department. Um, and let's see, after four and a half years there, um, just a really interesting and amazing opportunity kind of came my way. Um, the Miami Dolphins were going to be the seventh team at the time in the NFL to create a full-time dietitian position um, for their athletes. So um, I went down and interviewed and it was just a great fit. So I ended up being the dietitian for the Miami Dolphins for a couple of years um, and then let's see, in early 2018, um, I actually decided to step away from the full-time college and pro sports grind. And, and I always say I've sort of created my own grind ever since, um, but I've been enjoying just wearing a lot of different hats as a dietitian and as a sports dietitian. So what I do now, um, you and I were talking just before this, I was telling you, I, I kind of wear a lot of different hats. I um, am a professor, adjunct professor at Bloomsburg University in Pennsylvania, and then an online adjunct, adjunct professor for Boston University, my alma mater. Um, and then I'm running the CPSDA, the Collegiate and Professional Sports Dietitians Association's Sports Nutrition Immersion Program, which is a fellowship for young dietitians that are trying to break into sports nutrition. 
Um, and then I just do some side contract and consulting work. So wearing a lot of hats, but loving the variety and the flexibility. <laughs> and here we are. So it's such a cool career path. And I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but I went to BU too. Did we, have we talked about this? Natalie, I don't think I knew that. I know. I was there from 2002 to 2006. So we were probably there overlapping years. Um, But I was just partying and not studying nutrition. I switched careers to become a dietitian. So I didn't go back to school to to study nutrition until like 2010. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was just in, I forget what they call it, CAS, College of Arts and Sciences, just hanging out. I ended up with a history degree because I like to read and write, which actually has translated into media. Um, And then I, I went to work in media, which is how you and I kind of met through someone that I knew there and you knew as well. And I was in New York city. So anyway, that's just like a side tangent, but I don't, I don't think I've ever said that to you that I went to BU. Yeah. Well, let's shout out the person. Our mutual connection is Andy. So shout out to Andy. If he ever listens to this, which he probably won't. Um, <laughs> your days. I'm just curious, like where, where did you live on campus? I lived in South campus down the block from Fenway. Actually funny, funnily enough, I I'm from New York. So I'm from Long Island and you can maybe sometimes tell from the accent. And I was there, I think it was 2004 when the Red Sox won the World Series for the first time in whatever, 86 years or something. It was insane. People, I lived down the block from Fenway and people would call out, they're like, some people, I remember going to restaurants would like notice my New York accent and like yell at me. (laughs) It was nuts. What about you? Natalie, 2004 was when I left Boston for the first time and moved to New York. Um, So I was living in grad school with a bunch of New Yorkers um, and that was a crazy series. So, you know, we were, um, it was just a funny time for me to be in New York and the Red Sox were winning, but I lived in South Campus as well. So like you said, just sort of a stone's throw from um, Fenway Park. So such a fun area. Yeah, that's, and they have such a good nutrition program, but it's funny because they don't really have I, I don't, they still don't have, do they have sports nutrition or no? They don't have like that as a track or do that? Um, it's not as a track, but there is a brand new um, master's level sports nutrition course that I created um, and that I'm in my second semester teaching it. So seniors and people in the grad program um, are taking my class right now. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. Well, yeah. that's a, a fun little side tangent for anyone who listening, who's <laughs> actually interested in the field of nutrition. <laughs> this is how we overlap. And, and there's not, I mean, just for anyone, there's not a lot of programs that actually give people the opportunity to learn sports nutrition, which is interesting that that's still the case, because like you talked about, you were the seventh dietitian to ever work with a, a team. There's so many more now, like mm-hmm. there's a lot of dietitians working with teams. Um, but going back to that, you, so when you worked with the Miami Dolphins, obviously that's super exciting. Um, do you, what was it like? And do you think it, people would be kind of surprised to hear what football players actually eat or how they go about eating? Sure, sure. Um, to go back on what you said, so when when I said the seventh, so we were the seventh NFL team to put the position into full time, um, and there were oh, okay. um, we're doing unbelievable pioneering work as consultants, but. To, to sort of answer your question, people are very surprised at how much goes into feeding a football team. So um, I think the evolution of where this is going, where we are seeing um, all the leagues like really start to um, create that full-time position where dietitians um, are really, you know, in the trenches and working with with all of these pro athletes. It's it's fantastic to see the growth of the profession, but also to see how much attention is being paid to um, the nutrition of these elite level athletes. 
Um, I remember when I got there, um, you know, so I was on every single trip and, and always traveling with the team. And, and every time we're feeding the football team, I'm there. And some folks that, that weren't used to the position were like, how come the dietitian has to travel? And my response was always, you guys, there's more feeding than football that happens on the road. And there really is. I mean, I know um, you've talked to some other pro dietitians and they'll tell you, um, you know, it's like, for a road game, for instance, it's like we feed them at the facility, we feed them on that plane, we feed them at the hotel, we feed them the next morning a pregame meal, we have food in the locker room pregame, halftime spread, postgame meal, food on the plane. Um, so there's a lot of attention to the detail um, that goes around, you know, making sure that we have everything we need to feed, you know, an entire football team for everything that they're trying to do. <laughs> yeah, I don't think people realize that. I mean, this is Obviously, if you think about it, it's true, but you eat more than you do anything else, right? Like you're eating th at least three times a day. And for these players, this is almost prescriptive in a way. Like we think of food as, you know, maybe you're just bored and you snack on something or, I mean, they probably don't have those instances. It's more so like they know exactly what they're eating throughout the day and you're there to make sure that they eat the right things. Yep. And we're really there to make sure that um, whoever we're ordering the food from, from has everything, you know, set up. That's like sort of the food service management side of it is just making sure that we have everything that we need um, and everything is, you know, timely and, and set up and appropriate. <laughs> cool. And also, so I think of football as like a sprinting sport, which I may be wrong in this, but I think of it as kind of like, you know, they, they have these short plays where they're sprinting. Um, and as opposed to something like an endurance sport, like someone who's running for long periods of times or whatever, I could be wrong. You're the one who worked with these athletes, but does the nutrition differ because that is like, you need short bouts of energy to really go very fast. Sure. So great question. So, you know, um, as you know, you're talking about just like the difference in energy systems. And so we're working a lot with these anaerobic energy systems, these quick short bursts of energy, um, for each play. So I would say fundamentally, yes, there is a big difference between our football player nutrition and our endurance sport, say like, you know, a client that you or I may have worked with that's training for a New York City marathon, right? Like very, very different um, knowing that our endurance sport athletes is much more anaerobic and a, a lot more um, obviously super carb heavy for our endurance sport athletes. Although our football players do need, you know, absolutely to be meeting their carbohydrate needs as well. But because of, um, you know, the force production and, and what they're trying to accomplish, obviously there's a heavy emphasis on their um, quality protein sources. We do a ton um, really with just like overall diet quality and nutrient density because we're trying to decrease the inflammation and help their bodies recover from week to week. Um, so there's a lot of that. I mean, if you think about our marathon runners, they're training for like one to two big events a year, whereas these guys are going head to head every single week. And so the um, emphasis on anti-inflammatory on recovery is, is huge because we're really trying to get their bodies back, um, you know, seven days later to get ready for the next game. Um, and then I will say within a football roster, there's really wide variety of nutrient needs as well, right? So you're looking at, you know, obviously your linemen versus your receivers versus your kicker. So really wide variety of their needs and, and what we're looking to do with them. That's interesting about the inflammation. Is there uh, like a top tip that you give to them for promoting uh, anti-inflammatory kind of foods? 
Oh, there's, there's a lot of tips. I mean, so we, um, you know, I know you have a big emphasis on, on plant-based nutrition and we are pushing plants quite a bit, right? We do want to make sure that they are, you know, getting all of the, um, antioxidants and the nutrient benefits from their fruits and vegetables and getting all of that in. I mean, so many things will come into play when it, when we talk about inflammation, obviously hydration, we talk about just overall adequacy, making sure that they're meeting their needs so that they're not breaking down. And then the nutrient density talking about, you know, emphasizing those nutrient dense, high quality foods and, and we'll say minimizing some of the things that can promote inflammation. I, I think it's not realistic to say, avoiding or eliminating entirely, but definitely trying to minimize some of those pro-inflammatory foods. Do you ever recommend tart cherry juice? Is that one of the things that- Love, 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 love. <laughs> yes. We, we love our tart cherry juice, um, you know, great anti-inflammatory. Yeah, I've heard that from a lot of sports RDs who work with players that they're, that's something that they kind of are pushing after games or practices and the players don't always love it because it doesn't taste great, but it, it definitely works. Right. Yeah. It's, um, some like it, you know, taste is subjective. Some like it and some just sort of, um, get it in or some, you know, you can pour it into the blender and then mix it in with some other things to kind of, it's, you're not going to eliminate that taste, but you can definitely doctor it up a little. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Okay. So going back to your work at, uh, UNC Chapel Hill. So when I think of college athletes, I've worked with a few college athletes, which is interesting because they, a lot of times, they come from high school and you don't really get much nutrition training in high school, even though they're very competitive. So then they don't know a lot about nutrition and that's kind of when they have to learn a lot, which I'm sure is what happened to you as a college athlete. And I feel like obviously there's a lot of drinking like alcohol going on in college. How do you mitigate that? How do you handle that? How does alcohol affect performance? Have you seen that among your players? Sure. I think, um, you know, of course it's, it's, um, something that you do have to address. I mean, you can't, you cannot take the stance of like, you can't drink alcohol folks and, and, and like turn a blind eye and walk away. Um, because you know, you're essentially sticking your head in the sand. Like, you know, that alcohol is going to be present on a college campus. And so to me, when you're tackling any topic like that, it starts actually by just building rapport with your student athletes, right? Like you want to be their primary influencer on their um, nutrition information, whether it's regarding alcohol or any of the topics, because we know that they can be so easily influenced by everything, right? By their peers, by social media, by whoever else is out there giving them information. So um, one of, I think, my favorite parts of being a college or pro sports dietitian is really just like building that trust and building those relationships so that they, they believe what you say, they trust what you're teaching them, they know you have their best interests at heart. Um, and then once you're building that trust, then you it switches, like you're no longer becoming like the lecturer or like, you know, we're going to do an alcohol lecture. Instead, you're just actually having a very human conversation about like, look, I know you're in college. I know this is part of college, but let's just talk about maybe quantity. Let's talk about timing. Let's talk about, you know, are there scenarios where like um, during the periodization of your year where you are going to stay away from alcohol or are there times where you're at least going to limit it? So really talking about, again, like the periodization of the year, um, if they do choose to drink, the quantity, the um, timing around games, and then just making sure that they are aware, you know, of the fact that it really can affect their goals. It can affect, you know, their desire to gain lean mass. It can affect their desire to recover. It can affect their hydration. It can, you know, tie into mental acuity. So really just giving them the tools and helping them understand. And then ultimately they do make their own decisions, right? 
Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of them probably think, okay, well, I won't drink before the game, but I'll drink after the game. And recovery is such a huge thing, as you've said a few times. Right, so that's tough. I mean, you don't always win that battle. (laughs) I know, college is college. And also, I'm sure some of them realize they're not going to go on to play at the pro level. But, I mean, it's still important to them. So, it's like you said, it's kind of almost finding that balance. Going back to your college days, did you have, like, an aha nutrition moment that made you want to study nutrition? Or was it something that you always just enjoyed? It's so funny because I really, really, I applied to Boston University to their nutrition um, major within um, Sargent College. I I knew, I guess, in high school, um, So I was an athlete growing up. I have three brothers. Everybody was athletic. And I always joke that like the two love languages in our house were sport through my dad and food through my mom. Italian mom was like, you know, just cooking up a storm my whole life. So I think like it sort of was just this like the subliminal messaging that like kind of pervaded my entire childhood was really sport and food were like my two favorite things and my favorite memories. And so it's, it, I guess, stands to reason that right around when I was applying to college, I'm like, what are things that I love the most? And they were those two things. So that's kind of how it came together. (laughs) I don't know if there was like an aha moment. I think it was just like my life. No, I, it's funny. Another thing we have in common, I, I attribute my wanting to be a dietitian partly to my mom because she did cook us dinner every night and was great. And we had pizza every Friday that she made. And it was just like having a love of food in the house. Although I didn't always love food. I remember eating a lot of cheese sandwiches as a child because I didn't want to eat the vegetables in front of me. But I think that that's important, right? To like just have a love of food in the household. It's like important for a healthy relationship with food. Absolutely. I mean, you're lucky that your mom was putting meals on the table. I feel so fortunate my mom was doing the same for us. And yeah, I just like food is love. (laughs) For sure. So a lot of my readers and listeners kind of struggle to know what to eat because they have limited options or times. And I think that's that's relatable with college students who are choosing foods from a dining hall and they have to grab and go in between um, class. So how do you approach eating well for sport when you're not preparing the meal or when you don't have a lot of time? Great question. Um, So another just fun thing that a lot of college sports dietitians do, and I know this was um, a really fun thing for me when I was at UNC and St. John's was um, doing dining hall tours with our athletes. And, you know, to any of the listeners, they might be like, you know, what can you actually teach them in the dining hall? But I actually found that you know, you'd meet with a small group of whatever, you know, say like some lacrosse players or any team. And and a lot of times they'd be like, come on, Mary Ellen, like I know what to eat. But the lens that a dietitian takes on a dining hall is so different than the lens that, you know, a college freshman would take. And so just walking them through, um, you know, in a very kind of casual and fun way and just talking about their options through the eyes of a dietitian, I I find it to be a really, really effective tool. And so, you know, um, there's, there's like fatigue, right? People are just so tired of the dining hall after a while. And so addressing those issues and talking to them and kind of pointing out through the eyes of a dietitian, all the different options and making sure that they stay creative and they don't fall into their own sort of boredom um, is just a really awesome and fun tool that, you know, college dietitians will do with their student athletes. But for somebody that maybe doesn't even have access to somebody to walk them around and educate them, I think it's just, you know, thinking through like, you know, don't pick the same things all the time, right? Like try to stay creative in your own way. Um, And when people start to get tired of the dining hall, I always remind them that 
as soon as you don't have access to the dining hall, then you miss it, right? Now, then you're like living in an apartment on South Campus, right? If we're talking about BU and you have to start preparing your own options. And so um, taking advantage of the variety in the dining hall is super important and being able to kind of like grab and put together quick things um, is, is really kind of the way that I try to educate people to do it. When you're advising them, do you tell them to start with a certain ingredient, like start with vegetables, start with protein, something like that, that, that listeners can kind of use in their everyday life? Absolutely. So um, another common strategy, you probably hear this from other dietitians too, and you may use this, is the concept of three-step meal building. So I give this tool to my athletes of like every time you're in the dining hall or you're in your dorm room or you're wherever you are, three steps, protein, carbohydrate, and fruit or vegetable. And so if they can think that through every time they're building their meals, um, you know, then then that sort of minimizes the risk of like walking in and, and feeling tired of what you're eating and being like, I'll just have a bowl of cereal for dinner, but like, you know, trying to hit your three groups every time and saying, I'm going to do a protein, whether it's plant-based or animal protein, a quality carbohydrate and a fruit or vegetable to get that variety. I think if people can kind of hit those three things, every time they go into the dining hall, they're going to be doing pretty well. That's a great tip. And I ate a lot of cereal in college, so I wasn't a college (laughs) athlete though, so it was fine. But, uh, and you mentioned plant-based proteins. I'm sure that that is popping up more now than we were in college. People are going plant-based more than ever and competitive athletes and professional athletes are going plant-based and we see it in the news that so-and-so is a vegan and they're doing so well. And these other people are trying it. Are you seeing this pop up more? And what do you think about plant-based eating in general? Absolutely. So, you know, as I was sort of wrapping up my time at UNC and then definitely my time in Miami and now just with some of the clients that I work with, I'm definitely seeing a a huge increase in the interest. Um, Even if it's just not a full commitment to it, it's definitely a lot more interest in in trying it out. Um, So some folks are doing, you know, completely 100% plant-based vegan, which I think um, you know, can be done. It just takes like a lot of strategy and, and, and specifics and education. Um, I'll pull from one of my mentors, um, Paula Quattrimoni at Boston University. She talks about the term of uninformed vegetarianism, um, which you see a lot actually on a college campus. So somebody sort of like gives themselves that label of being a vegetarian, but isn't actually eating vegetables and isn't actually, you know, strategizing, um, you know, some of the things that I know I've seen you talk about and and some of the work that you put out is like really actually being strategic about being plant-based. So the interest um, in being vegan or vegetarian is definitely there. And then it's just working with them to say, you know, if you're going to go 100% plant-based, like we really just need to kind of dial in the strategy Or another option is if you have this interest but aren't able to piece it all together, maybe just increasing your plants and so building your base in plants but still opting for animal proteins can be a really viable option for some folks as well. I always say that Oreos are vegan. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you're eating a good diet. When you eat a vegan diet, you have to balance it. And like you said, I talk about this all the time of how to pick proteins and make sure you have a balanced plate and all of this stuff, because you can't just go at it uninformed. You can eat also mac and cheese on a vegetarian diet and pizza and French fries and all of this stuff that is very easily accessible in a dining hall. Oh my goodness. The college vegetarian that just does like mac and cheese, fries, pizza, and beer. 
no animal protein or, you know, or like the cheese, obviously, but, you know, you can be vegetarian on just that. And so, um, you know, definitely making them think it through and getting the nutrient density in there for sure. And, and they probably still feel okay. Cause they're like 19 and in great shape. <laughs> Sadly, I would feel terrible, but you know, <laughs> do you see a lot of protein shakes and protein powders popping up? I know that that's becoming more prevalent in the plant-based community because there's a lot of plant-based protein powders. And I'm assuming college athletes find this to be incredibly convenient. Sure. So, you know, um, protein powders and ready to drink protein shakes are, are definitely available to, um, at many programs to the college and pro athletes. And, you know, for a long time, it was just predominantly like, you know, the whey based shakes, but we are seeing a huge increase in people asking for, um, more plant-based. So, you know, the pea and rice blends, and brands are doing a fantastic job of point, putting um, out, I'm curious what you think, but putting out some really great plant-based protein powder options and drink options, um, trying to kind of, you know, blend a couple different plant-based proteins so that we are getting a more complete amino acid profile and, um, and playing with flavor so that it doesn't just taste like dirt, right? Like those old school plant-based proteins were pretty rough on the palate, but um, I think they've come a long way. And even athletes that are not 100% plant-based definitely, in my experience, enjoy some of the plant-based protein powders now. Yeah, absolutely. There's some that, it, it depends on what you're looking for, because there's some that are low in calories that just give you protein. And then I've even seen some now that are like almond protein powders, which will have maybe 200 calories in them, and they have no added flavors, and they're really good, and you can blend them into a smoothie. Pumpkin seed protein powders, there's so many out there that I don't even remember seeing two or three years ago. So I think it's a good option for people that go plant-based and don't necessarily have a lot of time to cook meals. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I know there's a lot of young aspiring dietitians who want to get into sports dietetics. And I get these questions a lot. I studied sports nutrition. So for me, it was kind of like, this was what I was doing when I graduated, but not everyone has that opportunity. And I know you work with a cool program called SNP. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. So the SNP is an acronym, Sports Nutrition Immersion Program. Um, so it's a fellowship for dietitians that are looking for that experience, like you talked about. Um, so often dietitians are sort of coming out of their dietetic internship with strong clinical and community foundations, but without that um, experience to, to really be a part of sports nutrition in, a, in an athletic department, a college or pro, or even a military level. Um so uh, let's see, about nine years ago, the Collegiate and Professional Sports Dietitians Association created this fellowship in conjunction um, with Gatorade. They, they partnered to supply the funding. Um, and basically where we are now, I'll spare you the details of the, the long history, but where we are now is it's 10 fellowship opportunities that are offered each year to dietitians that are looking to gain that um, eight-month immersion into the profession. So we actually just matched, I'm so excited, we matched an amazing class of 10 fellows um, a week ago, and they will be starting in July or August and start on their eight-month fellowship. And the sites, um, gosh, I wish I could have done the fellowship back <laughs> when I was starting, but the sites are amazing. Each year, we have amazing mentors that are willing to take on these young di or dietitians that are young in their profession. So this year, um, the University of Maryland is one of our sites. Um, let's see, the UFC um, out in Las Vegas is hosting for us this year, which is fantastic. Um, Virginia Tech, Minnesota. So, I mean, we just have, let's see, Clemson football. We have so many amazing sites and people match there and then they get to go do um, eight months to really learn under experienced mentors and, and get um, 
high level, fully immersed experience so that they can go on to pursue, if they choose to, to pursue um, a career in sports nutrition. It sounds so cool. And I know a dietitian, she works for me, her name's Sina, and I know she's going to listen to this, who uh, just matched for the 2021. And I was so excited for her because she gets to go work at a school and, you know, learn so much. And she was really excited about it. So I feel like it's a really awesome program. So where can people find info about this if they want to apply? Yes. Shout out to Sina. Congrats, Sina and all of your classmates. Uh, We can't wait for you guys to start. Um, Sina's fantastic. She'll be starting um, at Maryland as one of the sites that I mentioned. Um, So for more information, as I said, um, this program is run through the Collegiate and Professional Sports Dietitians Association. So our website is sportsrd.org. And so if you go onto that website on the left-hand side, there's a whole... um, a whole host of things you can look up if you want more information about sports nutrition, but um, there's specifically stuff on the SNP program. Well, Mary Ellen, this was an awesome chat. I think anyone who wants to work in college sports or any college athletes are going to get a lot from this and I appreciate you doing it. Thanks so much for having me. It was great to see you, Natalie. You too. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Natalie Rizzo. And if you want to learn more from me, follow me on social media at Greenleats or visit my website at greenleats.com.